Okay. Um, can you hear me then? Okay. Uh, Sue Allen asked me to speak. Uh, I think it was Monday this week. And um, she said, would I speak on hope? So, uh, well, actually, it's my favourite subject at the moment. Um, I've been reading, we've been having a fast group uh, every fortnight. And can you see this book? It's called Victorious Emotions. Can you see that? Yeah. And um, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. So I want to tell you a bit about that, how it's blessed me um, in my circumstance. But when Sue asked me to speak, I didn't know what a wonderful testimony would be coming my way. It's made my day, it's made my life. It's the most precious thing that's ever happened to me so far. So I want to tell you about that. Um, so, and, and in the context of hope. So um, as part of that, you know, years ago, we used to say, if there's any area of your life that's not glistening with hope, then you believe in a lie, right? In that area. And um, so, and then we used to say, there are no hopeless situations, only hopeless people. And uh, if you think about that, we'll talk about that in a bit, a bit more. Um, so having believed that and kept talking about that, um, on, in December last year, on the 6th of December, I'd heard that uh, my daughter Eunice <coughs> had five doctors tell her that she'd got um, motor neurons disease. Uh, and that's a horrible disease which um, eventually paralyzes the whole of your body. <laughs> and um, so uh, when I heard that it was definite, I went out with Chris Dean. We went to Morrison's for our lunch and uh, I cried all through the lunch. And I was saying that I didn't have the faith that I needed. I didn't, I knew it was, it was lost somewhere inside of me. Um, that uh, I had no hope. I felt disappointed. And, and I was just bemoaning the fact that I just felt really bad and low. So I came, oh, I know what. Um, I came home. And that night, uh, I went to bed late, but Chris had said, well, we better look at these victorious emotions again, because she said, um, we better get finishing the book, because Sue has asked us to do a fast group. So I opened the book where I'd left off at page 82, 81, and the first thing I read was cultivating hope right after this conversation with Chris and uh, the whole thing was like God had been listening well of course he was listening <laughs> but it was just amazing um, so uh, and it said we can allow the disappointments of life to form our beliefs or we can choose God's word and faithfulness to form our beliefs 
So I was saying to Chris, but Brian died. We prayed, mother-in-law died, so-and-so died. And I had a whole um, list of, of, of disappointments of people that had died when we prayed or were still sick or whatever. <coughs> and, um, but this, this is, was a choice now. From that, from that chapter, I had to make a choice. So she said, I can either allow the disappointments of life to form my beliefs, like I said, or I can choose God's word and his faithfulness to determine my beliefs. So I, I understood what God meant. I knew that I was forming my beliefs on what I'd heard, what I'd experienced, but now I wanted something else. I wanted to have faith and hope in God. Um, and I realized as well that, that um, I had a bigger problem in my hopelessness than the problem itself, you know? And hopelessness is my enemy, not the situation, not my problem. Hopelessness was my enemy and it's got to go under my feet. And so this is the other thing she said. I could live, now this is what the answer was, I could live a hope-filled life with a few disappointments or I could live a hopeless life that was safe, right? I decided my hopeless life wasn't any fun anyway and I thought, no, I want to live that hope-filled life. And... Um, so um, he said, so, so Wendy, because she had the problem with it, you see, and she said she made a conscious effort to live a life of hope and count the disappointments as the cost of a great life. So, okay, there'll still be maybe some disappointments, but that's where I'm going now. With that in mind, I, from, from December, I... Um, went forward on the hope, okay? And tried to take every thought captive as it came to me and locked my eyes on Jesus. So I just want to read you now a testimony uh, from my daughter, Eunice, because, you know, she's been away from God for, I don't know, um, maybe 35 years, can't just remember but she's been away from God for a long time and, um, and then got this awful disease. So I'm just going just gonna to tell you this. On Thursday, Eunice phoned me sobbing. She told me she'd been crying for three days. She didn't want to get out of bed. Her symptoms were worsening by the week. Um, the disease was just taking over. She then she felt that she had no help with it. She was on her own with it because there's a lockdown there. But um, the, the doctors had said she had to have this, this, and this, and nobody was putting anything into place. So she felt totally dejected, totally alone. She told me, you see, now never before she said this. She told me she'd been crying out to God, asking Him to heal her. Um, 
but then she said, but I've done bad things, mum. And, um, and so he won't be listening to me. She said, I haven't got a relationship like you have with God. Um, but I assured her that God was listening. And he, and he would answer her cries for help, you know, um, and that he loved her. Um, I reminded her of her faith as a child because um, when she was only eight years old, she says, Mum, I want to be baptised in the spirit. I said, you're too young, because that's what I thought then. She was eight years old. I said, you're too young. So she said, no, I'm not. And she insisted. So I said, okay, then. So we went into the front room and I said to her, put your arms up and start praising God. <laughs> so she did that and she was speaking in tongues. You could have heard her down school road. You know, it was just an amazing thing. That's what her faith was like and the way she prayed. Um, she was amazing at that age and, and you know, when she was a teenager. Um, this conversation I had with her was heartrending. Um, because of the symptoms, because of her own feeling of, of uh, that God wouldn't listen to her, so it was really difficult. Um, but I told her that, you see, I'd not been able to talk to her about God before, so um, I told her that Sue Allen had given me a, a psalm, Psalm 130, um, about two weeks before that, and, um, and so I asked her if she had a Bible. And of course, she doesn't have a Bible. I thought there might be one in the garage or something, what she'd stacked away. But no, she didn't have a Bible. So anyway, uh, I just told her about it. So the next morning, this is now Friday morning, I, um, uh, I, I thought, I'll write her an email and, uh, and I'll write that psalm out. So I want to read you the psalm that I put in my email, Psalm 130, because it's lovely and it's going to bless your socks off. And uh, um, anyway, this is it now. Lord, I cry out to you out of the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God. Answer this prayer and hear my plea for mercy. Lord. If you measured us and marked us with our sins, who would have their prayers answered? I like that. Do you like that? <laughs> um, but your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough. For your word brings me hope. I long for you more than the watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O God, throughout the night. O Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, and keep waiting on the Lord, for he is tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving. He has a thousand ways to set you free. He himself will redeem you. He will ransom you from the cruel slavery of your sins. So I sent that to her, wondering what a reply I would get back. And this is what she said. Now, this is just music 
to my ears. And she put, thank you for your email. It meant so much to me. The psalm from Sue is just incredible. After my last three days of meltdown, it just touches everything I was feeling. It also refers back to my hope stone from Chris, which I shall look at often. Will you let Sue know how much this has meant to me? It's amazing and I will keep referring to it always. It's just so encouraging too, exactly what I needed. I've just had my shower and had the same prayer in my head, the same one I had in my head earlier this week. Love you. So I, I feel that um, we've come through tremendous. I mean, I just feel you've been on the journey with me, uh, most of you, um, to, to just push and push and push and see God answer our prayers uh, for our children. Um, and it says that my words, which I've put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your children from this time and forever. So there's the promise for us, for our hope in God. Um, now, just a few thoughts on hope from, from that book. Um, <clears throat> right, so she's talking all the way through about renewing your mind because we have a like a bent on negativity yeah we think something bad's gonna happen or whatever but our bent is towards the negative so we have to renew our mind and say no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna think that because when we rehearse um right when we rehearse bad things oh well you know, so-and-so died when I prayed, so, and so-and-so never got healed. And we can all think of stuff like that that comes to just sap you of your spiritual energy, um, you know. So whichever you re rehearse the most, so we're going to rehearse good things, yeah? <clears throat> we're going to rehearse the goodness of God every day. That's what I'm doing to build my um, positive uh, being. You know, um, and um, and so if we rehearse disappointments, we'll just have difficulty in hoping for the future. We should focus on celebrating every time about God's faithfulness and his goodness <clears throat> and the fulfillment of his promises um, and with being thankful. So every day I wake up, and I thank God for everything and everything, anything. Uh, because I've so much to thank God for in this time now of, of this um, locking, the web it's called. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm on my own, but I never feel lonely. Um, I, just, I just love it. I'm just enjoying myself. And... Uh, I can imagine that you with children, it's a quite a different thing, but we've all got our... <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, that's why God always asked the children of Israel to recall, recall all the lovely things that happened to them because he knew they needed it. 
in you that needed to give thanks. And it's a muscle of hope. Can you see that? Yeah, <laughs> a muscle of hope. That's what we build in. Yeah, a muscle. And to build a muscle, who goes to the gym? To build a muscle, you have to work out, don't you? It's no good sitting like that because, you, you know, but you build your muscle of hope. And this is what we've got to do. We've got to do our bit in a renewing this mind. Um, <clears throat> now, this is what I like from that book, right? This, this is something that I'd never thought of before. Hiya, Daniel. I'd never thought it before. Another way to overcome disappointment is, number one, decide to believe that if what I pray for doesn't work out, something better's coming. Isn't that lovely? If it don't work out, something better's coming. So you see, you can't, it can't get you. It can't, you know, because you can just come through with that. And number two, no matter what the situation, I believe that he always has a way out and there's always a solution. Yeah? Because there's no hopeless cases, no nothing, because it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Right? And I believe that. So we won't limit God. Don't limit him. And, you know, last week I gave my testimony of my toilet seat. Those of you that don't know, my toilet seat fell off. And I thought, what am I going to do? I need a man. I need a man, Brian. <laughs> Which is what I always used to say. And, um, but, you know, five days I prayed. I thought, Lord, there's no way in the natural that someone can come and help me. But then Ruth phoned and said, you know, she said, you have got that toilet seat thing that lifts you up in the garage. I'd forgotten all about it. So he's got a thousand ways to give you what you need. <clears throat> and sometimes, like with Eunice now, with this motor neurons, I don't think anybody's ever known anybody to get well from that. Um, in the natural, I mean, with the doctors. Um, it's not something that, you know, um, can happen. So, you know, in the, in the natural, that is a hopeless case, right? But we've got to have a belief that some things, that everything is, nothing is hopeless, okay? Um, and some things really do look hopeless, but we have to confront that. We have to rebuke it. So, um, Oh, and this is another thing that Wendy said. God said to her, she had permission to be hopeless about anything that God was hopeless about. Right? But since he's the God of all hope, that's a bit of a tall order, isn't it? Hey? That, yeah, you know. But there's a verse um, in, um, where's that now? There's... Oh yeah. You like this verse because it's one that would come to your mind if you are reading your Bible. And it's Romans fifteen thirteen, which is another verse that Sue gave with that psalm. It says, Now may God, 
the inspiration and fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. Is that your goal? Is that my goal? It's my goal. I want to radiate with hope. It's, I mean, why, why settle for less? <laughs> it must be possible. Otherwise, it wouldn't be written in this book, would it? And then it says, um, overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. So I said to Anne, uh, when I was trying to tell her what faith is, and you know, faith really is just looking at Jesus, just looking at him, and that's a picture of trust, isn't it? Just trusting him. So as you trust in him, uh, you're going to have hope and joy and peace, that's what it says, and then you're going to radiate with this joy. Um, and um, uh, I just wanted to say a, a couple of things about, about church as well. Just talking about hope, right? Um, I have got faith in God that our church is going to go to soar, right? In faith and, you know, um, I believe God. I believe him that it's going to be, there's a few of us, but that's what we're not to look at. Oh, well, you know, we haven't got enough people to do this, that and the other. But I tell you, we've got everything we need and God will supply everything that we need. Um, so what has God said? Uh, he said, like I spoke earlier on, it's time for a new adventure. Do you believe that? Because I tell you, I believe that as much as I'm sitting here. I believe it's time for a new adventure at our church to just say, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want to do with these? You know, it was born in a stable. It didn't pick a palace. It was a stable. We're at Carrington Lane. We're not in a great posh place, but we've got a mighty God within us, haven't we? Um, and then, um, so let's start to thank him. Let's start to have hope, you know. I mean, we have, I'm not saying we start to, because I know we have. I'm just saying, let's go on doing it more and more and more. Just believe in him. So we're not going to see our lack. We're going to see what God's provided for us. And you know what? Another little word that I believe is for our church was when Jackie, I don't know, I didn't hear her speak, but I, I know that she put on Living Love, that song, Up From The Ashes, Hope Will Arise. And even if we saw us as a little community, um, it could be, because we had 300 or so at one time, you could even say, up from the ashes, hope will arise. And um, so, you know, these are absolutely um, spot on things to, to anchor your hope in. Uh, it's God's word for us. And... Um, and then just the other one that years ago, I've told you about umpteen times, so sorry. But when Jean Darnell, I went out for prayer and Jean Darnell, uh, who me and Ken keep talking about because, because we're old. 
um, she, she came up to me and she put, and I didn't even tell her what I wanted. And she just pushed me in the chest and said, there will be renewal at your church. And I've never forgotten it. And that was in the days when there were all the old people there and, you know, everything was, was just so unhopeful. <laughs> but, you know, I believe it's for today. I believed it was for then and is now. So we're not going to dwell on the lack. We're going to live in thankfulness. We're going to get up and, you know, and just one last little thing. Um, um, there were, just the other day, I don't know whether it was, it must have been Thursday or Friday. I think it was Jackie put on a song on the, you know, where you push it and it starts playing the song, you know what I mean, on Living Love. And, um, and, it, and it was uh, this, this lady singing. And then Barbara Hadcroft, she picked up the line. Uh, I love, she said something about, I love the line, lock my eyes on my maker. And I just thought, that is what I want to do. That's what hope means to me. To just lock, you know, you talk about, I'll lock myself on that or whatever. I want to lock my eyes on Jesus because he's my maker, he's my creator, he's everything to me. And he's got everything in his hands and he can do anything because he's Lord of all. And that's trust. That locking my eyes on Jesus is just trusting him. Okay, that's it. That's it, really. Thank you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you.